0: So if you want to turn to the book of Acts, here's some Bibles if you need a Bible. Turn to Acts 1 to start with, and I'm going to just read Acts 1, 7 and 8 again this morning. Focus on verse 8 as we come to the end of four messages that Daniel and I have been doing on Acts 1, 8. As you're turning there, you can look at this map of the world. And we're going to take a tour through the book of Acts, a very quick tour through the book of Acts today. But what I want you to get this morning, if you don't get anything else, and you're going to hear this phrase repeated many times this morning, is that all may hear. that all may hear that's our world it's easy isn't it to get caught up in our own little worlds <laughs> our own small worlds and forget that there's a big world and the call that we see in Acts 1:8 is that all may hear so if you'd follow along as I read and then I'll pray Acts 1 starting at verse 7 Jesus said to them It's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth, to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes today like Jesus um, asked of his disciples or or he said to his disciples to to look on the harvest and, and see that it's white. And Father, that you would open our eyes in the same way to see the world and and to see the harvest. And Father, to to stir in our hearts obedience uh, for the whole world. Father, however you may lead, uh, whether you would lead one of us or or many of us, Father, beyond Bremerton to Paulsbo and Port Orchard to to, uh, uh, to Aberdeen or to Chicago or to Egypt. Father, open our hearts, open our eyes to see the world as you see it and as you call us to reach out to it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. It was June 7th, 1980, that a young couple married with a commitment to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1981, that call was further clarified when the young man heard a representative of the Overseas Missionary Fellowship at a missions conference in Dallas, Texas, share that they were beginning a new work among the Maguindanao Muslims of the Southern Philippines. That's the Philippines. Um, You know, I think you should be able to poke here. Oh, look at that. This is impressive. That's the Philippines. That's Mindanao. The Maguindanao lived right here. Their path was set. Though many people called them crazy to take a two-year-old little girl and a six-month-old little boy uh, to a place where it was 100% Muslim, rebel-controlled, and to throw away a graduate school education among a primitive, unreached people group where no Christian or American had ever gone before Simply for the sake of the gospel that all might hear. Wow, that's them. That's 32 and a half years ago. No, that's 1984, 1985. The little, the little baby right there is this young man right here. <laughs> that's our family in 1986, probably, in on Mindanao in the Philippines. Kind of homely looking, huh, In the March of 1984, we moved to Manila, or just South Batangas in the Philippines. We were there for a year studying Tagalog so that we could move to Mindanao, back to that island right there, which we did in 1985 where we lived for almost two years in a little village called Tinib Tibon uh, among the Magindanao Muslims. A million unreached people. When we moved there, there were less than a handful of people that were known to be Christians among the Magindanao. The Magindanao have a saying that to be Magindanao is to be Muslim. Um, this family um The two years that we lived among them, every day we heard gunfire or heavy artillery. almost every day we were interrogated by rebels accusing us of being CIA spies. Hard to believe, huh? yeah we became very sick, and after three years um, We had to come home. It took us a year to get healthy after we came home because of the amoebic dysentery. This little baby there at 18 months was 18 pounds. Um, And I could tell you a lot of other stories. But the question, after three years of living there and coming home without seeing anyone come to Christ, the question is, what was the point? And why did they do it? It seems like another world. And the answer is simple. And I just read it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth that all may hear to the ends of the earth. That is our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. It's not just to Bremerton, although it is to Bremerton and Paulsbow and Port Orchard and Bainbridge Island and Port Ludlow and Tacoma and Seattle and, and, and on and on. It's, but it's beginning where we are and spreading out from there to the ends of the earth wherever God calls us. I thought, I appreciated so much what Daniel shared last week as he shared about Samaria and and God calling us to whomever maybe especially to those that we don't like Um, today to the ends of the earth the focus is wherever that all may hear but you say my goodness some places have bugs right (laughs) yeah Or snakes, I hate snakes. Outside of our house in Tiban, when we were on a holiday, our housekeeper found a cobra in the woodpile. I hate snakes. Some places are really dangerous. I can relate to that. When gunfire was particularly bad, we'd go into the basement of the house we lived in. Uh, We have pictures of our kids uh, held by rebels with machine guns and uh, AK-47s, hand grenade launchers. Um, One of our teammates was murdered by a Muslim. We had contingency plans if one of us was kidnapped or taken as a hostage. Sounds kind of crazy and stupid, doesn't it? Unless we get the vision and God's call and what he's calling us to in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that all may hear. You know, we, we are really pretty ignorant of what it means that all may hear because we've been so blessed, right? And, and I think we don't even realize how blessed we've been. I mean, we got Alex every Sunday carrying around a box of Bibles that he's saying, this is available, anybody want a Bible? And, 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 and other parts of the world, they go years without even having access to a Bible that all may hear. So, how do we do it? I mean, the question might be, how can we do it? Or, or why would we even want to do it that all may hear? And So this is what we're going to do simply this morning. It's going to be kind of just a, Almost like more like a story time, as we're just going to take a quick tour through the book of Acts, first of all, and Paul's missionary journeys. Um, He took four missionary journeys starting in Acts chapter 13. And if you want to turn to Acts 13, I'm going to whiz through it uh, very quickly to give us a bird's eye view of that all may hear, or to the ends of the earth, that we see beautifully exemplified for us in the life of Paul, as God called him to go to the ends of the earth. That's what we're going to do first of all, and then second of all, looking, after looking at the four missionary journeys, we're going to uh, just look at three principles that I think capture the heart of this, to the ends of the earth, that all may hear, and then we'll We'll wrap it up with a little story from a a book um, called Miraculous Movements and a modern day example of what this looks like in the book of Acts that all may hear. Starting in Acts 13, I'm gonna just read a few verses if you wanna follow along. It says, now they were, there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers Barnabas and Simeon who was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manion who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Notice verse two, it says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Isn't that an interesting phrase? How many of us think about ministering to the Lord as opposed to the Lord ministering to us? It's just, it's an, an amazing phrase of their intimacy of relationship with God that undergirds this whole missions movement from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. And being sent out by the Holy Spirit they began this missionary journey. The first one is this one right here. This, it's the green arrow. And we follow them. And if I'm just going to kind of, like I said, I'm going to summarize. I would really encourage you to, again, starting at Acts 13, read through Paul's four missionary journeys that take us to the end of the book of Acts. But what we see is they're sent up by the Holy Spirit. They're at the church at Antioch here. And from Antioch, they go to Seleucia, right there. Then they go to Cyprus. And then from there, they go to, per, um, um, excuse me, Salamis and Paphos. Where are we here? It's, I'm, yeah, they're right here on Cyprus. From there, they go to, and look at verse five. I'm gonna, I want you to, just to get a glimpse of this. In verse five, as they arrive, it says they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. So I want you to see this as the Spirit is leading them every step of the way. As they're going, you're going to see this repeated over and over. They proclaim the word of the Lord. So as they're led, as they obey, everywhere they go, they proclaim the word of the Lord. Verse 6, when they had gone through the whole island of Cyprus as far as Paphos, they find this there's this magician, Bar Jesus, who was with this proconsul, like the governor Sergius Paulus. And the man summoned Paul and Barnabas, wanting to hear the word of the Lord, but this false magician, this Elemus Bar-Jesus, tried to prevent the proconsul from hearing the word of the Lord. So again, what we see repeatedly is as the Spirit is leading, the Spirit is working, and Paul speaking to this guy says, You're going to be blind. Because how you're trying to keep the proconsul blinded from hearing the word of the God. And this guy becomes blind. And and as a result, the proconsul in verse 12 believes when he saw what had happened. Being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. And then in verse 13, they set out from Paphos. They go to Pamphylia, Perga, which is right here. Okay, there's Pamphylia. That's the region. They go to Perga. And again, they preach in the synagogue, verse 13. They're there, and and if you read through from 13 to 44, we see that Paul, he preaches this long sermon. He's a typical preacher, gives a great gospel message. In verse 44, we see another thing that happens regularly, chapter 13, 44. It says, nearly the whole city that is here in Perga, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. It's powerful. They've never heard it before. It's like the and now. They've never heard... You tell, just, anyway, I won't go there. The, uh, but when the Jews saw that the whole city was gathered to hear the word of the Lord, they were jealous, and they instituted a persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And so they turned from the Jews to the Gentiles in verse 48. And in verse 49, it says... And this happens over and over again. The word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. And it just keeps spreading. It just keeps expanding. It's like the, the ripples of water. But then in verse 15, what happens? Persecution is incited against them. And so they flee to Iconium. We come to chapter 14. And in Iconium, they speak in the synagogue. Iconium is, where are we here? Right here. They go to Pisidian Antioch, they're in Iconium. And what they do, they, they end up going from Iconium to Lystra to Derby, and then and, and they're just kind of pushed on by persecution. And then they retrace their steps, establishing the people that they've evangelized to, and they make a loop and they come back to Antioch. That's the first missionary journey. And then when they return to Antioch in chapter 14, verse 26, it says, they reported all the things that god had done and how he had opened a door of faith to the gentiles and that's the beginning of obedience to the ends of the earth paul's first missionary journey now what i want you to just see is you see this this is the first missionary journey and it was holy spirit led it was persecution driven people responding people being saved people being established that all may hear but notice it's just a small little circle you see that and then we come to chapter 15 after the jerusalem council and we see the second missionary journey but i want you to see how see how it grows there and this is the expanding this is to the ends of the earth we come to chapter 15 and uh verse 36 after the Jerusalem council, and they've delivered the letter from the apostles and elders, it says, Paul says to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord. And Barnabas wants to take Mark, and Mark had abandoned them, and Paul doesn't want to take Mark, and they end end up disagreeing. It's like, like us, you know, people don't get along. Paul ends up taking Silas and they head out and it says in verse 41 he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia and they're strengthening church and that's how we come. This is Syria and um, where are we here? I guess I should read Cilicia, right? Here we are. They're starting. I'm sorry, they're starting here. I'm mixed up. Yeah. Right there. Syria, Cilicia. Thank you. I'm not used to looking. Re- okay. <laughs> we come to chapter 16. Look at verse 6. They pass through the Phrygian and the Galatian regions. So it's Syria, Cilicia, Phrygia, Galatia. You see how it's expanding out. And verse seven, they come to Mysia. That's right here. So it's Syria, Cilicia, Phrygia, Galatia, Mysia. They end up in Macedonia. They end up in Greece. In chapter sixteen, verse nine passing through the Phrygian and Galatian regions, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. This is where they're wanting to go here, but they're forbidden. A vision comes to Paul. A man from Macedonia is saying, come over and help us. And so immediately in obedience, they go to Macedonia, and they're in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, led by the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the word of the Lord, People responding to the ends of the earth that I all may hear. It's interesting in chapter 17, verse 6, as they arrive in Thessalonica, this is what the people say These men who have upset the world have come here also. Isn't that interesting? These men who have upset the world have come here also. And so they go from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea. They end up in Athens. Paul's, uh, he speaks on uh, the Areopagus there. In chapter 18, verse 9, as they arrive, um, this is what God tells Paul. The Lord says to Paul in the middle of the night in a vision, he says as they arrive in Corinth, don't be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no man will attack you in order to hurt you for I have many people in this city. And so sometimes they're persecuted and they flee. Sometimes they stay. The Holy Spirit opens doors and closes doors, prevents and leads in order that all may hear. And so at the end of the second missionary journey, the, uh, Notice right here, they pass through Ephesus, and the, the people plead with them, would you stay here so that we can hear the word of the Lord also? But in chapter 18, verse 9, um, 19, listen to what Paul says. He said, they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. He himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews, and when they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you again if God wills, and God didn't will it at that time. Um, one of the things I want us to see to the ends of the earth is it's not our own initiative, it's not our own plans, it's not like, it's not an adventure we're talking about, like, oh, that sounds like cool, like to go to Saudi Arabia and get killed by some radical Muslims. It's the Holy Spirit opening doors and closing doors. It's the Holy Spirit preventing and leading us responding, us obeying, sometimes being persecuted, sometimes staying and God opening door, sometimes like us. Leaving with no response, but laying the groundwork for others to come. So now there's over a hundred McGinn and I, who are believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, but us being obedient to the ends of the earth that all may hear. We come quickly to Paul's Third missionary journey starting in in Acts chapter 18. Verse 23, it says, after having spent some time there in Antioch, they left and successively they went through the Galatian, Phrygian regions. And so you notice the map's bigger now because the fourth missionary journey, which some don't call a missionary journey because it's actually Paul's journey to Rome to die But in reality, a missionary journey, because it's no different than any other journeys, because it's God leading Paul to proclaim the word where God wants Paul to proclaim the word. So the green arrow is right here. It's small. And we see he passes through these regions. and, And he almost repeats exactly, goes where he went on his second missionary journey. But he starts with, after passing through the Galatian-Phrygian region, remember in the second he passed through Ephesus said, if the Lord wills, I'll come back. Well, the Lord wills this time. Because in chapter 19, verse 1, they arrive in Ephesus. And for three months he speaks in the synagogue. Verse 8, entered the synagogue and continues speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way, he withdrew, took the disciples, went to the school of Tyrannus, and for two years, in the school of Tyrannus, it says, um, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord. You see that? It wasn't God's time the second time around, but the third time around, for two and a half years, God has Paul in, in Ephesus so that where he told them, prevented them from going the previous time, now all who live in Asia hear the word of the Lord. It almost sounds like God knows what he's doing. And as God is leading and we're obeying, sometimes dying, sometimes living for a long time the word of the Lord being proclaimed to the ends of the earth that all may hear. And so if we were to go through the third missionary journey after Ephesus, we see Paul going to Macedonia again, Greece, and we could just, I'd list Philippi, Troas, and, 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 on and on and on to many towns that all may hear. Well, Paul ends his third missionary journey in Jerusalem. His desire was that he would be there By Passover, he arrives. The apostles and elders say, you know, this has been wonderful what God has done, opening the door of faith to the Gentiles, but there's a lot of Jews who are hearing rumors about you, and they don't think you're being a good Jew. So can you um, pay the fees for some men that are dedicating themselves to the Lord and, um, and go into the temple with them? And Paul does. And some Jews see him there from Asia and they raise the alarm and they shut down the temple and they arrest Paul. And it's the beginning of Paul's fourth missionary journey, starting in Acts 21-27 to the end of the book of Acts. And it's amazing, this fourth missionary journey, because opportunities that he never had before to, to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth happen in a way that they never could have happened if he hadn't have been arrested. Falsely arrested, yes, but as a result, in 22, he's able to give a defense before the huge Passover crowd in Jerusalem. In 23, he defends himself before the Sanhedrin and is able to just lay out the gospel before the Jewish high council. And then in 2311, notice what God says to Paul, on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, isn't that a great phrase? The Lord stood at Paul's side and said, take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. And so the the itinerary for his fourth missionary journey is set in 24, uh, chapter 24 of Acts. We see him standing before Felix, the Roman governor. He's succeeded by Festus in Acts 25, and he speaks to him. In 26, he speaks before King Agrippa and his wife Bernice. And then 27, his journey starts to Rome with a shipwreck. And, and it's amazing along the way as, they, as his witness on the ship to the soldiers and the crew, as they have a shipwreck and they in, in chapter 28 of Acts, they end up on the island of Malta. God's plan to, beginning with Publius, who's a leading man of the island on Malta, and then to all the inhabitants of this little island of Malta right here before they arrive in Italy, God opens the hearts of many people in expanding the gospel to the ends of the earth. They arrive in 2016 in Rome. I'm just going to read the conclusion to the book of Acts. Verse 30, it says, He stayed, this is Paul, two full years in his own rented quarters And was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered to the ends of the earth. It's it's to the ends of the, the Roman Empire, the known world at that time. In Philippians 1 12 through 14, it gives us a snippet of what this meant, where it says, the cause, where Paul says, as he's in prison writing to the church at Philippi, he says, the cause of Christ was well known throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? To the ends of the earth, that all may hear. Just three, three principles that I want us to get. I just kind of set them as I went along, but the first one is, in in thinking what it means to the ends of the earth to be accomplished the first thing we need to think is dependence on the Holy Spirit you you see that again I encourage you to read it because it's, it's the the Holy Spirit opening doors and closing doors hindering, preventing, leading speaking, coming in visions working through miracles Why do you think that my wonderful wife and myself knew we were to go to a remote area in the Philippines, a rebel-controlled Muslim stronghold with a two-year-old and a six-month-old? Why do you think we went there? It's because we knew. that's where God wanted us to go. When I was attending Dallas Seminary and I was at the missions conference and I just happened to walk by a panel discussion that was being carried on and the representative of the Overseas Missionary Fellowship was a part of that discussion. What went on behind that scenes was that Cindy and I had been reading a lot of books by Hudson Taylor who started the... China Inland Mission, the Overseas Missionary Fellowship, and, and captured by his life and his heart for the lost, alongside a heart that God had given us for Muslims, what that man spoke that day, we're beginning a new work, Hudson Taylor's mission, among the unreached Muslims of the Southern Philippines. As he said those words, it was like God speaking to me saying, that's where you're to go. Within four months, we were at candidate school, meaning a school to prepare to be missionaries with the Overseas Missionary Fellowship, because we we knew that that's where God wanted us to go. We need to think dependence as we think to the ends of the earth. That all may hear. Like I said, it's not just an adventure, but it's obedience. <laughs> dependence upon the holy spirit think dependence number two think perseverance but we see that as you see paul's missionary journeys they could have given up pretty quick if it was like a vacation right (laughs) or an adventure but this was just obedience that all may hear as they'd heard as their lives had been changed As they'd heard the good news, that all may hear that good news. Think perseverance in the midst of whatever might come our way. It was Hudson Taylor who said to some missionaries in China who were ready to pack up and leave for home because things were rough that if you were convinced that it was God who brought you to China, you had be very sure that it is God who is telling you to leave China. Think perseverance. Think dependence. Think obedience. Think perseverance. Because it's going to be hard. It, it, it wasn't a joy ride being in the Philippines, although if we could have gone back, we would have gone back. But we couldn't because of our health. And because God had somewhere else to lead us, which is here, ultimately, to the street and homeless youth of Kitsap County. But as I wrap up, and if God were to lead us elsewhere, we'd be there. And I think Basque Country is a part of that. and I'm hoping Egypt's a part of that, because that is on my heart, to the ends of the Earth that all may hear. Think dependence. Think perseverance. And third, as you look at those growing circles of Paul's missionary journeys, think furtherance, dependence, perseverance, furtherance, that the gospel might go to those that have never heard, that all might hear. Listen to Paul's words. I'm just going to read these in Acts chapter 26. These are great words as he's standing before King Agrippa in Acts 26 and repeating to King Agrippa God's call upon his life, Paul says, Who are you, Lord? This is when God appears to, Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus. And the Lord said, these are good words, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up. Stand on your feet. For the purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister... And a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. And this is the key. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the domain of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Think furtherance. The furtherance of the gospel that all may hear. So what does this mean for us? What kind of people do we need to be? You know, back at, Just going back to Acts 13 and kind of what I highlighted as I started with, the first thing we need to be is worshiping Christians. You know, the the starting point isn't getting out a map and saying, where do we go, you know? I mean, look at 8,000 unreached peoples, 3,300 unreached Muslim people groups, 2,400 unreached Hindu people groups, 1,200 ethno-religious—that's like tribal groups. 700 unreached Buddhist. 100 secular unreached peoples groups. 8,000 unreached. It's not a matter of getting out a map and saying, "Okay, let's see, where do we go?" Spain's cool. I mean, I've been on the Bay of Biscay. You know, it's pretty nice. Um, the Basque people—that man, that's beautiful, beautiful area the Pyrenees Mountains. But it's not a matter of saying, let's go there because it's cool or because it's beautiful or like, I don't know, Middle East, that sounds like a unreached, you know? What about the Middle East? I bet you some of you are pretty excited to go to Iran. Syria sounds like an exciting place to be right now, huh? Africa, Sierra Leone. <laughs> My clicker's not working here. Asia, China, India. We have some missionary friends that just emailed us from Malaysia, the town that they're living in, having a Bible burning. Muslim Malaysia. to the ends of the earth. What does it mean for us? It's not a matter of getting out a map and saying, where do you want to go? It's a matter of, number one, being worshiping Christians. Remember, that's where it started. This whole missionary journey to the ends of the earth process started with them ministering to the Lord and fasting. That's the starting point. We need to be worshiping Christians. We need to be people that are falling in love with Jesus And falling in love with Jesus so whatever Jesus says and where Jesus calls, whatever Jesus wants to do, we go because it's not about us. It's about that they may hear as we've heard. Worshiping Christians. We need to be second. We need to be world Christians. It might not hurt for some of us to get maps and begin to pray for the world. Or as we read the news and we read about what's going on in Egypt with the brotherhood of Islam and, and the Islamists taken over I mean just uh, what's going on there um, we need to be world Christians and as we read the news pray for the world right and then we need to be willing Christians worshipping world and willing to go wherever God might call us to go. Might be to be a part of reaching out to the Basque or or whoever. What about you? Are you willing to go wherever God might lead that all might hear? See, it's not just a matter of going farther and farther out because as my wife and I have obeyed God's leading and calling on our lives. It went from the Philippines back to Bremerton, Washington. Maybe it's gonna lead us out again somewhere else. But willing to be wherever God wants us to be. I want you I'm just gonna what time is it here? I'm gonna read you a little story, okay? This is this is really cool. You can don't fall asleep on me, but this is a great illustration of what we see in the book of Acts. And it starts with a couple who are living in Africa. And they're, they're, they're Christians, but they're living alone in an area where everyone else was Muslims. They had no church or Bible study to join. Her name is Mesa. Mesa realized That since none of the other people in her nomadic community could read, she had to be the one to bring the life-giving story of the gospel to her people. So Mesa attended a training seminar offered by a missions organization in which she learned how to tell stories from the Bible, beginning at creation and moving forward chronologically toward Christ. As soon as she rejoined her family, Mesa began sharing these stories with other nomadic women in her village. The men would go out every day with the animals to find grazing while the woman stayed behind to care for their children. Mesa used this time as an opportunity to tell many women about God. And after every story, the women would discuss what the story meant and if they were true, how their lives must change to obey the God of truth. And that the most important thing was that the women learned was that this, don't just hear God's word, obey it. And within a few weeks, more than 40 women had accepted God's gift of salvation and eternal life through his son, Jesus. Now, remember, Mesa, she's just a nomadic village woman. She's not trained in seminary. She just wants to tell her, her neighbors about Jesus. These women began to change as God's spirit moved in their lives, and their husbands were quick to notice Now, the people of this village did more than travel about with their livestock. The men were raiders, marauders, who would periodically attack other villages and steal their livestock. These attacks were a matter of both livelihood and pride in this culture. A successful raider could boast that he had fought and won. But the men became puzzled by the changes they saw in their wives. And they knew that Mesa's stories were responsible in some way. So they began asking her husband probing questions while they were out grazing their livestock. And he was privileged to lead many of the men to Christ. And after this, the men stopped their raiding and began instead to take the good news of God's word to other nomadic groups of Muslims. About one year after Mesa began telling stories to the people in her village, two men named Ahmed and Mechela were driving through the desert on their way to visit some Christian followers in a distant region. They were about 200 kilometers, 120 miles from from where Mesa lived. As they bumped along the road, they came upon two elderly men with large burdens, waving them down for a ride. But Ahmed didn't slow down. In fact, he stepped on the accelerator hard because this region was frequented by bandits bandits, and he was very suspicious of the blanketed goods these men were carrying. It was not uncommon to be waylaid by criminals brandishing AK-47s and Ahmed was, had no desire to take any chances. So they roared past the elderly men in a cloud of dust. But the Holy Spirit kind of like the book of acts pressed ahmed as hard as he had pressed the gas pedal why did you leave them you have space in your car ahmed felt instantly convicted that he had made a poor choice he eased off the gas pedal put the car in reverse and backed up he glanced in the rearview mirror as the elderly men ran toward them he breathed a sigh of relief to see nothing more dangerous than brightly colored scarves within the bundles. We are taking a dowry gift to a young man in a distant village, one of the hitchhikers explained. We would have been walking all day if you had not come past. Well, Michaela asked a few polite questions about the um, engaged couple and then suddenly asked, do you know God? He bit his tongue the instant the words were out, darting a guilty look toward Ahmed. This wasn't really the right question to ask new Muslim acquaintances. Ahmed gave him a quick disapproving scowl. But the young man, um, but the passengers surprised the Christians by throwing their heads back into laughter. Of course we know God. One of the men replied, Why do you, who do you think made you stop and give us a lift? you didn't want to you had already dusted us dusted us up pretty good but who made you back up well the ensuing laughter broke down all barriers between the men and soon they were chatting michaela said would you like to hear a story there were no radio stations storytelling was a good way to pass the time and the men agreed well michaela continued getting comfortable do you know where the whole world came from. It was like this in the beginning, and he had not gotten more than a minute minute into his story when he was abruptly interrupted. Oh, we already know that story, cried the hitchhikers in unison. Poor Michaela was taken back once again. He stared at his new friends with open mouth, too surprised to speak, so Ahmed rescued him by asking the men to tell their own story of creation, and they proceeded to recite it verbatim, according to the way his missions team taught the scriptures to those who could not read. As the men began to tell Michaela and Ahmed the story of Noah, Ahmed asked them, excuse me, but where did you learn these stories? Last rainy season, the men answered, a man moved to our village and taught us these stories and many others. Let us tell you about the great flood and we have so many other stories that we would like to tell you. This is the punchline. It took the remainder of the trip, but Ahmed and Michaela eventually were able to piece things together. They traced the source of the Bible stories that the men had learned all the way back to Mesa and her husband, who had led others to become disciples of Christ, who in turn had gone to distant villages and shared the gospel with more nomads And these two elderly men hitchhiking their way through the desert were the fifth generation of Christ's followers growing out of Mesa's efforts. And they were on their way to share the gospel with a young couple who would soon be married and would carry it on to others. To the end of the earth that all may hear. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would capture our hearts with this story of Mesa, capture our hearts with with the the story of the book of Acts and and Paul's missionary journeys. Father, the leading of the Spirit, the, the obeying of your followers. Father, may it may it may it capture our hearts that beginning in here in Bremerton and continuing in Bremerton and and expanding from here to wherever you may lead, Father, you might use us that all might hear. In Jesus' name, amen.